The sounds of the Lalela Youth Project in Cape Town, South Africa. The organization uses arts to teach and empower children from some of the most underserved communities across South Africa, but now also Uganda and New York in the US. My name is uh, Zotidi Dingane. I'm from Maspumelele in Fishu. The group that I'm in is called Lalela Youth Project. We do a lot of stuff there, like talk discussion about HIV and AIDS and, and uh, how we can, you know, get together and not spread HIV. In eastern and southern Africa, HIV is one of the key issues putting the communities, particularly adolescents, at risk. And the youth project, where the word lalela in their name means to listen, is getting people talking about the problem. The youth of today does not care about um, HIV, so I think they need to be aware more about HIV and that HIV spreads, so they need to know more about HIV because they don't care about In 2014, 1.6 million children under the age of 15 in eastern and southern Africa were living with HIV and 93,000 became newly infected, according to UNICEF. This age group, particularly girls at this age, are highly vulnerable to the infection due to the inequalities they face in their daily lives, something Professor Charlotte Watts, director of the Gender Violence and Health Centre at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, is working to change. What's very striking when we look at the epidemiological data from sub-Saharan Africa is in particular how much adolescent girls are at increased risk of HIV. So it's about three-quarters of all new infections in sub-Saharan Africa occur amongst adolescent women. And so an important challenge for HIV prevention is to understand what drives, drives that vulnerability and what can we do about it. And so factors such as transactional sex, for example, where women might exchange sex for access to finances, access to a job, to acquire commodities that they might want, be it essential items such as sanitary wear through to consumables that they might really like to have, like air credit on their phones and things like that. There are a range of factors that our research suggests lead to um, the adolescent girls being at greater risk of HIV, um, along with their experiences of, of violence, these other factors as well. What are some of the interventions that you've put into practice or are testing? We're testing a range of different interventions um, as part of in, in work that we're doing in collaboration with partners in South Africa, Tanzania and India. The sorts of interventions include can we empower women economically and socially and does that empowerment reduce their vulnerability to HIV and increase their ability to negotiate safer sex um, and reduce their vulnerability to violence. We're testing out interventions where we're trying to combine PrEP, so that's drugs that can be taken as a prophylaxis to prevent HIV, but teaming that with an empowerment component to say, well, can we help particularly vulnerable adolescents have access to technology to protect themselves, but combine that with an empowerment component that means that they actually believe they have have a right to use it and that they can negotiate that within their relationships. Um, We're also testing interventions in schools, um, in sports facilities, or using sport as a way to help girls and boys talk about sex, about relationships, about 
having more equality, um, and also um, testing community mobilisation interventions. So recently in Uganda, for example, we implemented an intervention called SASA that sought to support a community to really think about issues around gender inequality and violence and took that community through a process of, of reflection and action to change behaviours. Um, and what we saw over two and a half years was that women's experience of, of physical partner violence in those communities reduced by over a half. It's easy to think that these issues aren't, aren't tackable, they're too ingrained, they're too difficult, they're too complex, but what our research is showing is actually we can achieve quite big impacts over programmatic timeframes. And I guess, could you focus in a bit more on the prevention interventions like the use of microbicides and that type of thing? What role do you think that they have to play in tackling this? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important that we continue to invest to identify methods of preventions um, such as microbicides that women can use to protect themselves from HIV. It's been quite a long road to get the scale of investment in those technologies and we are seeing some promising findings so for example there was a a recent trial looking at the efficacy of vaginal ring that showed some evidence of partial efficacy Um, I think there's more work more research that needs to be done to think about well the challenge that the trial found about a 30% efficacy if I remember it correctly Um, some of the challenges around that were found were around achieving consistent use. And so we need to continue to think, well, how do we support consistency in that, the use of that ring or in other prevention modalities for women? What we've learned from family planning is that the more options we have, the higher the coverage we're going to get. So, I mean, in terms of the HIV prevention field, our options are, in, are increasing we started off with really only having condoms prevention technology. Now we know that male circumcision works. We know that um, we have PrEP, so pre-exposure. We know that HIV treatment has a prevention benefit. Um, so we've, we've got an increasing arsenal of prevention technologies. And microbicide and additional technologies that work for women, I think, are an important piece that we need to continue to tackle, and particularly thinking about adolescent girls who are facing multiple challenges. At the same time, we can't assume that a technological fix will, will solve everything. And so in practice, I think what our research suggests is what we need to be really thinking about is combination prevention that combines um, the advantages of new advances in technologies for HIV prevention with other components that support women's empowerment and greater equality in relationships. Where is the immediate next step for your group and the kind of research you do? Um, so the, the next steps for us, we've, we've wrapped up some trials that are giving us very exciting findings. We've got other trials that are ongoing that we're working to complete. So we've got a trial looking at how do we support girls to stay in school in Karnataka in India, in an area where we know a lot of young women may be married early or go enter into sex work. Um, so say, can we... Sh- can we stem that flow of, of women into into the into sex work in particular we're also trying to think about at a national level how might we think about financing and financing incentives that could encourage that cross-sectoral working and vision around the HIV and, and broader development response um, and so we've got work in Tanzania that's looking at that and, and talking with a range of policy stakeholders about what might be the ways to make that work 
Um, we're also doing work to say, how do we think about scaling up interventions? So at the moment, we've got promising findings from small randomised controlled trials. And so the question for us is, what does that model look like if we try and take it to scale? Particularly because we know that one in three women globally experience violence, we really have to be thinking about scale when we're thinking about tackling that issue. And and in sub-Saharan Africa, when we're thinking about linking those programmes with HIV, how do we how do we, on a a large scale, also address those sort of intertwined epidemics. 